Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Back in the booth! Whoop! After a two-month hiatus, back, not in the virtual booth, mind you, in the actual renovated, updated booth. Wow. Charles and Chelsea's bedroom. Guys, we are all in the <laughs> same room. Get hype. How does it feel? Great. Great. I, I mean, I'm in I'm in my bedroom, so. <laughs> yeah, you feel right at home, really. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is fantastic. One, your new home is gorgeous. Yes. We love being hosted. Thank you so much. New dining room table yeah. that we were able to to take in on the way in today. Thank you, Facebook Marketplace. That's exactly right. If you right. want to sponsor us. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Please do. Thank you. All the individuals on Facebook Marketplace <laughs> that make it up. Facebook, come on now. Thank you for everyone at Facebook, except Mark Zuckerberg. And thank you for people on Facebook Marketplace selling dining room tables. Yeah, it's been it's been a while since we've done this, so we'll see how quickly this um, first episode goes off the rails. Um, <laughs> but I guess like, a, do we have any updates on life in the past two months? How's everybody doing? How are we? The how's the the trio doing right now? I'm quite content. Uh, I've been describing it as a season of uh, contentment and gratefulness. So hmm. yeah, just things are good. So. Uh, nothing new and exciting, which is sometimes okay. Yeah, no news is good news sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. Eli, how have you been? Uh, so similar, but on the opposite side of the coin. So things are not as I want them to be. Hmm. But uh, the same part as Charles is the contentment part. Yeah. So like learning to be can- content with God working on my character rather than only my circumstances. Like Ooh. God cares so much more about who I am rather than just like what he can hand me on a given daily basis you know yeah yeah that's holy my man yeah, i like that yeah you i'm good uh yeah not a ton has happened i had covid like a month and a half ago i'm um, glad you've made it through that yeah, yeah. seriously it was uh praise god it was a pretty mild case that i think i got literally a day or so before i got boosted because i got boosted on a wednesday tested positive on a saturday <laughs> um but feel fine since then um and yeah doing all right work is work uh that has not been fun, but I got a new job for next year. Super excited about yes. So praise, so praise the Lord for that. Um, lot to be excited about. Uh, yeah, just kind of keeping on, and of course, have to be back in the the actual booths with you guys. Love it, love it. So we're gonna dive right in before we introduce what is a new season, our seventh season at the Well, and we're gonna get back to business with our question of the week. And of course, if you'd like to submit a question for this segment. All you have to do is email us at three guys at the well. That's number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. And so this is from a friend of friend of the show, a fan of the show's friend of mine from church, um, Sean. He is married to Lydia, who I long time, not even long time, listeners as of last fall will <laughs> remember, kind of kicked off our previous season worthy of honor lydia was the first episode of that talking about the proverbs 31 woman so this is her husband sean great guy and he says my spirit question is are you an android or apple user and how all in are you on your choice i'm selfishly motivated by an interest in building apps i myself am a google pixel parentheses android guy so yeah where we are two-thirds of us are in one camp but so i'll throw to charles first like what we're solidly cement blocked into <laughs> really? the Android camp. camp. Why, why is that? Uh, so I think it's worth teasing out. I think 
as as a businessman uh that apple is just genius i mm-hmm. think they their marketing their product design the way that they run their business is just super intelligent and mm-hmm. i'm very uh impressed by them um but as a consumer i hate it <laughs> um I don't like the way that you need a separate product for every single thing. That is, and that separate product is upcharged by like three hundred percent. Um, and uh, and I just don't like the functionality, the OS. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's actually that, you know. And then like even to like have separate storage, you have to have a separate account, and then you have to access it. It's like, nope. Just give me the Android. I'll put everything on the cloud through Google. Uh, so yeah, that's okay. that's me. Wow, I am. So I was an Android user until until we started a family plan together. Yes. yes. Uh, side note. Yeah. Jarell and I are on a family plan through our cell phone carrier. It's it's been a good time. It's been a good time. Um, but I was I used an Android until then. Um, but then it made more sense for me to take Sandy's old phone. So I've had an iPhone since then. And so it could just be, and probably is, that the only Android phones I've had have been not very good because I got the cheapest I mean, one I could find. I know that's true. true. <laughs> I've like witnessed every phone you've yeah. had for like the past eight years. It's been bad. It's been bad. Um, but since those ones that like I had for a year and then would like just kind of stop working as well, like I've had this iPhone for almost two years and it's not even a new one. I think it's like an iPhone 7 or something. And it's worked really well. And so I've just gotten used to it. Like, I've just kind of gotten settled. So I'm not solidly in the Apple camp, but I'm more like, well, this phone works, and I like things that work, so I probably won't change it unless I'm given a really good reason to. Mm, okay. So I resonate with most everything that Charles brought up earlier. I, in no way, shape, or form, am committed to Apple or having an iPhone. I have, that said, I have an iPhone. And it's <laughs> not because I Chris. saw, no, stop. <laughs> it's not because I wanted one. It's because Christmas 2020, I was trying to get another Android phone because I dropped my oh, other one. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it, like, it was bad enough where like there were just bits and pieces of my screen falling off. That's how bad the drop was. And so I went to the store and couldn't find, I mean, I went to two or three stores and I could not find anything other than iPhones. That's and how they so get I you. got an iPhone. That's how they get you. Um, which was unfortunate because Androids have never steered me wrong. Uh, they've lasted the longest out of all the phones that I've had. The only reason why I've ever had to get a new phone on, honestly, is just because I've been the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate your Android phones. Goodness. Okay, so <laughs> I hope that, that answers Sean's question. Uh, you know, in a year's time, we might all be in a very, very different place with phones. Nope. Uh, well, well, Charles won't be. <laughs> Charles won't be. <laughs> Okay, so we'll probably never be sponsored by Apple, but that's okay. It's Facebook Marketplace is going to call, and it's going to be great. So we are really excited today to introduce a brand new season, our seventh season here at The Well, and I'm going to be honest up front, we're still trying to name it. Mm. Um, so the, the hope of this episode is to give you an idea of what you can expect from this season, but also to give us an idea of what we should name it. So we're going to circle back around to the end <laughs> to figure out what that name might be. Um, but the this season is built on this idea, if there's a key word, it is wandering. Um, and particularly Old Testament, Testament accounts of Israel wandering through the desert and with God on their way to the promised land. 
And so why this season? Why this to-be-named season on wandering in these Old Testament accounts? And there are a few reasons. Um, one is that, and something we'll get into today, is that earth is not our home. And that's something that we often forget. You know, we build up treasures and foundations here, but sometimes we forget that they're not meant to be for here. They're meant to build up treasures in heaven um, where Jesus prepared a place for. So in light of this, it's imperative that all of us in our in different seasons embrace a spirit of holy wandering. This idea that we are pilgrims on the earth, strangers on the earth, um, seeking to align our hearts, not just with where we are in the moment, but for the place that has been prepared for us. So we can see our lives here from a heavenly perspective. Um, it's also partially because, you know, the Old Testament accounts of Israel sometimes are kind of glossed over. Like there's a lot, it's, it's the sections where it's like, oh, this is where they give all the rules and the laws and stuff like that. And there's so much more in there that gets into who God is and what his character is that is, we think, really fun to unpack. unpack. Um, but it's also, lastly, because we're in a time now of rampant deconstruction and reconstruction, which I'll start by saying I think is healthy when done well. Um, and people figuring out, well, what does it mean to be a part of a church or a body of believers? And how is it that that should, you know, inform the way that I think about the Lord? And unfortunately, we're sometimes in a place where uh, institutions don't uphold um, the spirit of holy wandering and get so bogged down with being a place and a building and an institution that God sometimes gets left behind. And so we're hoping to shed some light on the qualities that we should all take with us no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord. So our thesis statement here is two-pronged. If you're a Christian who is happily connected to a church, Christian community, or any formal body of believers, praise God that you're putting down roots in a place that is fostering in you a deep love of Jesus and desire to serve him with your whole life. We also encourage you to remember that God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. And rather, he chooses to make his home in earthen vessels. And our hope is that by wandering with us this season, you will identify the transcendent qualities of God that are to be exemplified in his people. And if you find yourself in a season of pretty explicit wandering, disconnected from a formal church body, or deconstructing your experience in one, remember that the Lord is the God of the wanderer. He journeyed with a caravan of refugees for 40 years of exile and preserved his people throughout centuries of salvation history, even as they faced false gods, wicked rulers, and nations greater than themselves. He walks alongside his people with such fidelity that they can boldly proclaim, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? So we encourage you to remember that we are called to be a part of a people, and God is endlessly creative in his ability to preserve a people for himself in unbelievable circumstances. That being said, we're going to kick off our first episode of this season, which is yet to be named. So I'm going to set the scene. Today we have two passages, one from Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16, and one from John chapter 14, verses 2 through three, two and 3. If you have your Bibles and you aren't, you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Salvation history is composed of an enigmatic and often surprising cast of characters. Warring brothers, a man who never saw death, a relative nobody turned na naval architect and conservationist, an old nomadic married couple, a hopeless romantic, his cunning wife, and their two sons, one an incredibly hairy warrior and the other a future father of 12, a spoiled brat turned slave, turned prisoner, turned right hand to Pharaoh, an abolitionist with a temper who spoke to God face to face, 
an army who toppled enemy walls with shouts, a sex worker who would help overturn a nation, and so many more. What is the one thing that these seemingly disparate, the seemingly disparate assortment of misfits have in common? According to Hebrews chapter 11, perspective. From Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. From John 14. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So gentlemen, general thoughts on this, and also more specifically, how do we live as if earth is not our home? So I think, I think that we live as if earth is not our home um, by thinking often of heaven, the places that God tells us is supposed to be our home. And I, I, I think that begins with training ourselves to long for um, the direct presence of God. Um, and you mentioned earlier uh, this notion of perspective, of having perspective being the thing that informs our wandering and, and informs our, our discipleship. And like everything wrong with the world being a sign um, that it is not as it should be. Mm. Um, and because God is good, um, because we have the faith to trust that uh, he is worthy of our trust and our devotion, but he's also capable of making things come to fruition and, and be complete, um, that he won't leave the world as it is in disarray. Hmm. I think what struck me about this passage, I don't know if I have an answer for to the question, um, <laughs> but uh, what struck me about this passage is that if earth is, if we are not holy wanderers, right? And if this is the homeland, if this is the place where it's all or nothing, like it's this or nothing, then I don't want it, mm. right? Like yeah. even you look at the past two and a half years um, and everything that's gone, it's brought up, um, everything that it's bringing up, especially as a black man, right? Mm. Like, I don't want this to be it. I don't mm. want this to be the homeland. Um, I hope that I'm on a pilgrimage. I know I'm on a pilgrimage. I know I'm wandering. And I'm very grateful that I am, yeah. that this is just a intermediary step mm-hmm. to where, where God has me. I, as a black man who believes in God and who believes in objective truth and sees the world around me and history, mm-hmm. I... If this is it, then I would be depressed. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, and honestly, this is a thought I've had for almost my entire life is if you don't believe in God, then I don't know how you go through life. Mm-hmm. If you think this is it, yeah. um, then I don't, I don't see what the, what the thrill is like, because everything scripture talks about is temporary, temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really my hope. Praise the Lord. I'm a wanderer because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's uh, blood and righteousness, as that song says. Hmm. Um, and through his resurrection and ascension, 
which is something we have access to that the Israelites did not. Mm-hmm. And yet through this season, we'll see the Lord was still immensely faithful and provision like provided for them and blessed them. Mm-hmm. And we have a promise that they didn't mm-hmm. um, at the time um, that we have a place prepared for us in our father's house that Jesus has gone to prepare a place. He's, he's going to come again and will take us to himself, as it says in the John 14 passage. And that is comforting because if this is it, I don't want a part of it. I think it's a really, really key point. The idea that, uh, you know, God calls us to be in the world and not of it. And that means, you know, not turning your back on the world, but also recognizing, yeah, that sense of not being satisfied. Right. And just kind of knowing like, and it's so much of how the Lord ministers to us personally and like wants us to give him things so that he can give us things that are better. And so this, I think part of living like that to your point, Charles, is recognizing that what the world has to offer, if this is it, is not something that um, can satisfy because we were designed to be satisfied by so much more. Um, And God made us to only find home in who he is. Um, and that is like Jesus in talking to, um, Pilate said like, my kingdom is not of this earth. And so, uh, some of it is, I think, a refusal to be satisfied with what we, um, see, even when it's good and to recognize that the Lord has more for us there. So then with that in mind, I kind of want to, you know, we started this with like a two pronged approach of people who are listening to this as members of churches and Christian bodies and people who for various reasons or not, what makes, what do you think makes it hard to live like this, let's say for a church? Like what are ways that churches or Christian bodies can kind of sometimes miss this heavenly perspective? And then what are ways that um, individuals can sometimes miss this heavenly perspective? I mean, church bodies are made up of individuals. And so like, I think what makes it hard for anybody is, a broken world is the only thing we've ever known. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. heaven is something we have to look forward to and we have hope in because of what you said, Charles, but like that's also still foreign to us. And it's, it's really interesting to have your home be a place that is foreign to you. Mm. Um, that you don't really um, live in quite yet. You only get glimpses of it in, in, in your church when you're worshiping alongside other believers, you get that feeling of like, Oh, we're doing this one activity and it is, uh, our devotion to God. You have maybe you're a part of a ministry where you all are working side by side, and that endeavoring in a in a, in a united way feels really good. Um, yeah. But that doesn't happen all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, uh, as you alluded to earlier, there's a lot of church hurt that happens. It's not all hunky dory inside of you mm-hmm. know church establishments, and so I think that uh, the challenge presented to church leaders and church members is. How do we let people in without letting the world, the brokenness of the world in? Mm, um, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> How do we let people in <laughs> without letting the brokenness of the world in? And and that, that's not to say that like broken people can't come into the church. Yeah, We're right. all broken. We all need to be healed by Jesus. That's never not going to be a necessity. Mm-hmm. But like when I say let the world in, I mean like the rhetoric, the things that justify straying from God, the things that mm-hmm. will call us away from him. Um and too often the church is doing that. Yeah. Um, like letting things slide. That's like, that's actually not, that has, that's not biblical. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that later. Sorry. Yeah. And it's interesting because that's what the church, 
not the establishment, but the yeah. body of yeah. Christ yeah. Yeah. is called to. And yet the body of Christ, as you've said, Eli, is composed of fallible human beings. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting, like you put it so eloquently, but we're always going, the church is always going to face be, uh, be facing the issue of the world impacting the church because sure. it's full of broken people. And I think, I mean, if you look at it generally, what we've had is people who have gone too far in the brokenness and not stopped it and recognized Mm -hmm. whether it's a church uh, authority or uh, a congregation calling it out, Mm -hmm. you know, calling out church, calling out church authority. Like there's just been this permissiveness in um, when objective truth gets kind of contorted or the, um, the things that take us away from Christ come in. Um, And so that's like, that's going to happen, but that's where mercy comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, love doesn't, uh, love covers a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. It doesn't ignore sin. Amen. Um, And so I think that's where we've often failed is like we either ignored sin or not spoke up, spoken up about Mm -hmm. it and allowed it to kind of impact um, and filter down into from either from the bottom up or the yeah. bottom down. Yeah. And it's gone on for so long. And we're kind of starting to see a little bit of reckoning and recognizing mm-hmm. and people yeah. recognizing like, this is not okay. We need to call this out for what it is. Yeah. We can't stand idly by. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to make mistakes. We yeah. all are going to sin, yeah. but we can't stand idly by and say, I'm going to let you keep on sinning because sure. I love you. Sure. Yeah. That's not That's love. That's not love, no. And it's also selective. Yes. And I think like yeah. to the, the word that came to mind as both of you were talking was like, particularly with churches, and I'll, I'll say a bit on individuals there, is like, I think the way that we fail to be heaven-minded corporately is by prioritizing comfort. Yes. Over like biblical conviction. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where you get um, this idea of, there are, like you said, Charles, there are certain, there are certain sins that we are comfortable with being very far from us. And those are like sins and people that we kind of are really heavy handed against. So, um, th- th- like, like homosexuality, things like that. But when it's like, uh, an out of control, like ego or, um, narcissism, whatever that we see, let's say in, in church leaders, then it's like, well, they're kind of here. And that kind of keeps this thing together. And so right. I think there's this sense of where sometimes I think uh, bodies of believers miss the mark is that they, there's a push for comfort. And it's like whatever we're familiar with, even with even if it's broken, even if um, things about it aren't actually aligned with scripture, it's what we know. Yeah. And it's the brokenness that we know. Yeah. And it's really easy to embrace that for a sense of stability than it is to kind of call it out for what it is. And on the flip side of that, it uh creates um and it creates insulation around that body so that those things can't really be challenged and it says like well everything outside of here that's what the that's the world that's what we're at war against which to your point eli is like well that means there are some people we just don't really invite into the church because of their past because of sins that we we see as less um permissible as other sins within the body and so it just kind of creates this sense of um we live as if heaven isn't what it is by yeah. trying to uphold the institutions we've built up at the expense of actual conviction. Mm. And it's like, this is, you know, it's uh, the, the same, like better the devil, you know, than the devil, you don't. 
and that allows for the churches to become church to become an even more isolated place, segregated place, and a place where comfortable sins are allowed. Yeah, mm, that's good. Actually, as a response to that, Jarrell, that mm-hmm. that that got me thinking. So I think one of the bigger issue, well, a way that I'm now beginning to summarize my thoughts is maybe the corporate issue, the mm-hmm. the communal issue with the church is that we don't think that we have we can actually change the world because sin is so present. Mm. Uh, we don't think that we can actually be an impactful presence in mm. in the communities in which we're embedded. We, mm. So let's we, just retreat so let's to, just retreat, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it becomes and the church becomes a hiding place rather than a a a a, a node, a a safe place, a point where like a, a city on a hill. It, it it doesn't shed its light. It just like hide. It's a it's a candle wasting away in a dark place. Mm. Um, and I think the maybe the problem for so communal problem is that we can't change the world individual problem is i can't be changed Mm -hmm. i think that people are so uh familiar with their own sinfulness Mm -hmm. and familiar and familiar with um uh kind of our own Mm hard-heartedness yeah um that we're like even if i'm a christian i i can't there's only there's only so much that i can be changed and it's like both of those the issue with both of those is that we I mean, the key, core issue is, I think, a doubt of God's own potency. Right. Do you believe that um, that your spiritual rebirth has real practical implications for your new life? Yeah. Do you believe that you're living a new life now? Like, I think, I forget which verse it is. Ugh, I need to find it. Something about, if you continue to live in sin, it's because you have forgotten mm. who you are. I think we forget the gospel. And I think we get so used to, like remembering that who, who were the who were the apostles they weren't living for nothing who who, who has been anyone that that god has sought out and chosen and selected like we're nobody starts off being great and and even in the humility that paul was called to he wasn't he didn't boast in himself like god is sufficient god is potent god is powerful and i think when you get too lost in who you are or what you've done in your past god's not God is not resting uh, salvation on our works. Mm. And I think sometimes we make it so much about our own performance that we forget, no, we're, we're a part of God's body and mm. he's working through us and obedience actually helps us, will help us drive. By. I don't know. I, I think we, we, put, we, we put pressure on ourselves to perform in ways that God's like, actually, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. Just to confirm your point, I think that's, that's really really true i i think about my own life and mm-hmm. i think that's very true and actually my sister just uh facebook messaged me earlier um and she was getting a massage and they connected really well and this this young lady who was giving my my sister a massage was sharing about how she by the way my sister said she was really seeking the lord mm-hmm. wanted to connect to the lord but was so held back by the weight of her own sin mm. and her anxiety and that she she didn't deserve God's love or didn't feel like uh, God could love her. Mm. And I think that goes exactly to mm. your your point, Eli, mm. um, is that, and I, I see that in myself to a sense, like I can't change enough, like more than what I want, like mm. what where I am now because mm. I'm so hard-hearted and like mm-hmm. you know god's done what he can with me which is just like a bald-faced lie right. mm-hmm. um and i think and that's what i was praying for this young lady that's what my sister asked 
us to pray is that the Lord mm. would reach her and, you know, reach her with love and that she would overcome that. And I think that, yeah, I think that certainly impacts all of us to some extent. And then mm. if it's impacting each individual in the body of Christ, then the body then is as a, a corporately is experiencing that malfunction, if you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that as you both are talking, I resonate with me a lot as well. That I think a lot of what keeps us from being heaven minded is kind of, you know, it's set like Jesus says here in this passage from John that um, I've told you I've prepared a place for you. And I think some ang- anxiety rises from when you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm not deserving of that place. And like <clears throat> we can get so in our heads of um, what like resting it so much on our own shoulders. Like, well, I know who I am. And I know what I like, think I deserve. And when I'm encountered with Christ, who gives me so much more than that, um, I can get wrapped up in trying to, you know, come up with reasons why, why like, well, that, like, I'm just, dis- why I should be disqualified from that or whatever it is. And there's a freedom, not just personally, but freedom to, you know, be the church, not like the building, but the people, the body of believers when we take God at his word on this, that he says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And that's something you can bank on. That's something you can count on. Um, and when we embrace that for ourselves and we don't see our sins as something that is so uh, far from God that he can't bridge the gap, then we no longer see other people's sins like that as well. Yeah. And we find the grace to um, get into the un- uncomfortable. We find the grace to welcome in people um, who are, you know, just in the world doing the best they can. We find the grace to, you know, be convicted of sin ourselves also allows us to find the grace to call out sin in others, especially if it's someone in a position of leadership. And so there's a sense of trusting that God is who he says he is and he has done to our sins what he said he would Mm -hmm. so that he could take us to the home that he said he would bring us to. Right. And if that is true, Mm -hmm. then we have victory personally. The people around us have victory. We can invite them into that. Um, we can hold our uh, other believers and um, members of the body accountable to live in that victory as well. Um, but yet yeah, accepting the gospel, I think, is or failure to accept the gospel really hinders that work and hinders remembering that heaven is what God said it is. Mm. And that's like we're, we're this season we're looking at the prototype right yeah, like right. the prototype is the israelite people wandering for 40 years in the desert right. and if we like that is the that is uh, a foreshadowing of the gospel because mm-hmm. we will see i i'm pretty sure yeah. how often they fail yeah like yeah. And epically fail yeah um and yet the lord was still gave them manna gave yeah. them quail he still was leading the people yes. through the desert that eventually got to the promised land and yes there was punishments right like yeah we, we're gonna in one of the episodes we're gonna talk about this group of people who like seriously hinder the people from actually taking forth the place, the home that God had established for his people. Mm -hmm. And those people don't get to see that land. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's punishment, right? But there's also, but that doesn't mean that that promise the Lord gives ended, right? They eventually do get to go to the promised land, especially those who were faithful to God's call. Um, Joshua and the other guy, Caleb. Caleb. Um, So I think we, we're going to look at the prototype and it should, I think it should, as I'm talking, it's, giving me hope like yeah this is not 
there's there's press there's precedent for this mm-hmm. in salvation history, um, and we're going to look at that right. in detail this season. And like seeing, I think to that point as well, that the process matters to God, mm-hmm. right? And this idea that like, you know, because I think there's also another side of this where if you get so fixed on heaven that you you don't exist in like your current state, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm going to heaven, so like I'm not really going to bother with evangelizing or like doing my work as if it's worship to God. I think there's, I think that this season will show us that like, you know, God cares about how you wander yes, Mm. and like meets you as you wander. It's not just a point A, point B. It's like walking alongside the Lord as he forms your characters. He shows you, no, I provide and I see you exactly where you are. And in those moments, like you said, Eli, like it's a start. There's a, there's, we have to learn to be, um, to desire the Lord more. And I think that's why that process matters, mm-hmm. Charles. It's like, in the in knowing that the Lord is so committed to that process and so with us in it, through that we love Him more. Yeah. Because think about the friends that you're closest to. It's like these are the people who like, like in your life, these are people who I've been through things with, who have seen me for the most formative times in my life. I know them not just because I got over this hurdle, not just because I eventually reached this point career relationships otherwise but because they were with me when it was crap Mm. and god shows himself consistently to israel's like i am going to be with you even though this is crap and like in so embracing that process here on earth we prepare ourselves more for heaven Mm. amen i found the passage that i think ties into this well i was forgetting earlier um second peter one five through nine Uh, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Mm. Um, and so to your point, Jarrell, I'm actually glad that I didn't know this. I didn't know the verse by heart before and that gave you the ability to speak about it because what you're talking about is like what this verse in that, that Peter was writing speaks to, which is this like trusting God's ability to be with you and continue to form your character mm-hmm. with all of those good things, with all of those about like, magnificent qualities um but forgetting to endeavor in those things is is a result is a a symptom of the fact that you forgot that god originally cleansed you of your sins like the fact that god has been potent enough to change who you are and and like give you the freedom to choose for him in Mm. decisions yeah i think to begin closing us here um that yeah we so much of this i think we're gonna like this episode as we, we talk, we're going to figure things out. I'm like, oh, wow, this is something that um, connects to the overall theme. And this is something about God as he walks through it, walks through things with us, um, which I'm really excited for. But if you, especially as for those who are listening, if you are in a place of dealing with church hurt, dealing in deconstruction, reconstruction in your own way, um, we really hope that this will be a time to measure the transcendent qualities of the Lord and see how he chooses to journey with you exactly where you are right now. And if you're in a body, we also hope that this will be a time where you become mindful of the transcendent qualities of the Lord and are more 
with greater conviction um, moving and working in the body that he has called you to to be his hands and feet in the world. Eli, you look at I had an idea. Wandering but not lost. Ha! Boom! There it is. I was just gonna ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanks for talking. As you were talking, I was like, oh, this is from the Lord. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Praise God. Boom. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited to learn so much this season. You can check us, check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new, episode, new episodes every other Monday, um, depending on the season, on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash atthewell for exciting new bonus content like our Jesus in the Movie series. We'll talk to you soon here at the Well.